Hello and welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. My name's Darren and I'm here with Faith. Hi. Pastor Faith. And we will get to the sermon in just a little bit, but we wanted to make some time and space to talk about something special that we've been having on Sundays. And it's a new song that Pastor Faith, you and your husband, Josh, wrote, and we've shared it with our community. Tell us a little bit about it. What's the name of it? Yeah. And where did it come from? Yeah, so it's called We Need You. Um, and I, I'm going to root this in 1 Corinthians 2 when Paul says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Um, the, the first thing that was written for this song was the beginning of that bridge section that says, We don't need better plans. We don't need clever thoughts. We need your Spirit, O oh God. We don't want the wisdom of man. We want we want a display of God's power, which is really what the world needs. They don't need to see a show, or even in the area of worship, they don't need to hear good music. We need to see a display of the power of God. So it came from that heart cry. And then the beginning of the song kind of sets up this space where we invite Holy Spirit, we open our hearts, we clear out all the distractions, the things that get in the way and then just simply cry out for more of Him. And it's this this longing to be a, a space where the Spirit would rest mm-hmm. as a community. Yeah, I love that. That's such a the heart and core value of Garden Church. Exactly. Knowing that the Spirit is present, like He's welcome to the party and we get to celebrate. And I so appreciate the beauty and creativity that you've been cultivating, not only with worship, but just something that we can invite the rest of our community into. And, and it's so cool when, when uh, in the recording of this song, it's the first time that we shared it. And it's like people have been singing it for weeks. <laughs> and it was just such a cool thing to experience. And so we're so happy for those of you that have experienced that with us on a Sunday morning. And we want to see just more original songs being birthed from this place um, that you're talking about, just being saturated in the Holy Spirit. So we are welcoming you to stick around after the sermon where you can hear a live recording of the song, We Need You, and I hope it blesses your heart. Garden Church Podcast. We are in the series called Kingdom Culture, and we started this three weeks ago. I just sense that the Lord is asking us to build our church in the things of the kingdom. And so we're going to start with the message of the kingdom and, and build from there for the next seven, all the way up to Easter and beyond. I, I just see this going on for a while. We're going to break it up. And I'm very excited and energized. For some of you, these few talks are familiar, and they should be if you've been here for nine, ten years, because this is like the only message that I have. So if I, if you, I always come back to it, and I, I'm like a one-trick pony, so you're going to get tired of me if you stay here long enough. But uh, hopefully, there's some new stuff that we're pulling out, and I know that there will be today. Um, but I'm very passionate about this particular talk. But go to Mark chapter 1. Let's just read this passage together. It says, um, after John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And then verse 15, it says, the time has come. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So Mark summarizes all the teaching of Jesus with this one verse, verse 15. And we started three weeks ago talking about what Jesus meant by the good news uh, what he meant by the gospel. Because we have heard these phrases before, but many of us have uh, in- interpreted or heard it taught that the gospel is about what happens when you die. It's like Jesus died on the cross. Um, and that is absolutely part of the good news. That is how the kingdom comes fully. But that's not the whole picture. And we contrasted the gospel of the kingdom versus the gospel of salvation. And so what we're inviting you to understand is uh, what Jesus meant by good news. So the first week, if you missed it, gospel according to Jesus or the good news according to Jesus. Last week, we did a whole survey of the Old Testament. If you were with us, I did the entire Old Testament and most of the Bible in about 45 minutes. So I, I, I'm, hopefully you enjoyed that. But the whole point was to show you that when Jesus said the time has come, he was referring to a very 
particular uh, unique phrase that had all sorts of imagery, illusion, and promise and prophecy in the Old Testament. It was referring to the age to come or the day of the Lord. And so you saw all throughout the Old Testament this grand story of what God was going to bring about. And Jesus comes onto the scene and says, hey, it's time. This is happening right now. So what was expected was all sorts of things, healing, resurrection, forgiveness, new hearts, new spirits, forgiveness of sins, um, the Holy Spirit dwelling on all people, the knowledge of the Lord going out, peace and shalom being restored. And Jesus brings all that into this present age and begins to usher new life. And so that's where we're at. And so now we pick up on the second part of this talk, um, or really, I guess the third one, it's um, Jesus says, the kingdom of God has come near. So today we're going to talk about the kingdom of God has come near. So um, the series is called Kingdom Culture. And culture is a set of shared attitudes, value, goals, practices, and relational boundaries in a society or organization or people. So I want to explore as a church ways that Jesus embodied a kingdom culture versus you know, a religious culture, or today a church culture, or a Christian culture. Um, what I want to help frame is this idea that wherever we go as followers of Jesus, we bring a way of life with us, whether we know that or not. And I want us to be uh, deeply rooted in the, in the theology of the kingdom and its practices and values so that wherever we go, we bring that reality with us. Right? So, um, example, I, have you ever been to a really fancy hotel? And raise your hand if you've been to like a really, you like walk in, you immediately feel like you don't belong. Or like, have you ever been to a coffee shop and had to apologize for ordering? Do you know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm not cool enough to be here. Um, I apologize for ordering and paying for this. But do you know what I'm talking about? Have you been? I don't mean to call out any bad coffee shops, but you know what I'm talking about. But then, so hotel, fancy hotels, you're like, you're like do I belong? Like, I don't, I don't know if I even looked. You know, you walk in and everything's dialed and people are like, okay, I went to the Legoland Hotel last week. I was supposed to take... I was supposed to go to the mountains with my boy. We planned a snow trip, but there was like an avalanche. You couldn't get up to Big Bear. So last minute, we like make this thing happen. We go to Legoland. And I walk into the Legoland Hotel. It is not like a, a fancy uptight hotel. You walk in and there is a pit of Legos in the lobby. You like walk in and they expect all children with all of their germs to dive in and swim in the pit of Legos and build. And there's like stuff that you push and it lights up and there's, there's like treasure hunts going on. You walk by and they're like wizard pops out. It's totally designed for kids. If I brought Ezra, my boy, to a fancy hotel, he would feel out of place. But the culture of Legoland was designed for kids. You know what I'm talking about? We build, create, experience culture. It's what we feel. It's more than the sum of its parts. I want to show you the culture of the kingdom, and it's going to take some time. But we're starting with Jesus' teaching, and then we're going to build from there for the next, like, 16 weeks. So Peter Drucker says this about culture. He says, culture eats strategy for breakfast. I love this because we can think we have some good ideas and we want to build strategy of how we're going to change the world or how we're going to change our family or how we're going to change our business. But what he says essentially is the culture that you're a part of eats that strategy for breakfast. It will, it will influence more people by, by what's happening around you than the, the things necessary that you do on purpose. And that's a whole business term. But if we embody the culture of Jesus, we might have greater influence wherever we go. And that's the point. So kingdom of God, summary, this is all summary, is, is God's sovereign rule. God's kingdom is the intersection of God's desire for life being manifested and experienced the way it was intended to be in the first place. God's kingdom is what life would look like if God was in charge. Are you, are you getting it? What, what your life would look like if God ruled and reigned and he was in charge of your existence. And the question I've asked you is like, what would it look like for him to be in charge of your finances? If you literally had to bring a report, here, here you go. What do you want me to do? What, what would life look like if he was in charge of your thought life? What we're going to see down the road is in the kingdom of God, it's worry-free. That actually Jesus wants to empower you with resources of, in life here and now so that you can live without anxiety. Is that good news for anyone? I'm just, maybe it's just for me. That if Jesus is not anxious about your circumstance, you don't have to be. We'll talk about that in a little bit later um, in this sermon. 
because I want to I want to do a practice with you. So God's kingdom is the way of, is what life would look like if He was in charge. So. Let's pick back up in this. Um, We're doing great on time. Okay, so Jesus says this, the kingdom of God has come near. Or another translation says, the kingdom of God is at hand. And the the language is like, the kingdom of God is close. It's space, you can grab it. It's like you can reach out your hand and pluck it off the tree. This is what he's referring to, this idea that God's sovereign rule and reign, his uh, capacity for being in charge is available for you to grab, to hold on to. Now, what exactly does he mean? And this is what I want to answer today. What does he mean? This is the primary message. If you could summarize the, in one little like tagline, one bumper sticker, one tweet, less than 144 characters, this is what you would say. Jesus' message was the kingdom of God has come near. That's it. What does that mean? So go to Matthew. I want to answer this question. Go to Matthew chapter 13. I want to help frame it, and we'll paint a picture and hopefully get it later today. Matthew 13. How are we doing? We doing good, guys? I was like backstage when they were finishing that song. I'm like, just let me get out there. Let me get out there. Here we go. Let's go. I was trying to play it cool in announcements, but I'm just giving it all away. I'm really excited. So Matthew 13, verse 9. At the end of this parable of the sower, um, or the four uh, soils, he says, whoever has ears, let them hear. So he preaches about the kingdom and what it's like. And he's like, hey, if you have ears, let them hear. And then he goes on, he says, the disciples came to him and they're like, hey, what do you, why do you speak to the people in parables? Because we think parables are like illustrations. They're not illustrations. They're confusing. They don't make sense. And what happens with parables, you're like, they, they plant in your mind and heart, and then you continue on doing what you're doing, you're doing the dishes, and all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, is that what he means? That's what a parable was, explosions. Um, and he said, well, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, his disciples, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and will have an abundance Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. And then he begins to quote Isaiah um, and the the prophets about uh, those seeing they did not see, though hearing they did not hear or understand. In verse 16, look at what he says at the end. I just want to make this point. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. And it goes on, for truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they did not see it and hear what you hear, but they did not hear it. So Jesus, when he talks about the kingdom, it has something to do with hearing it and seeing it. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Some of you are gonna get it. Some of you won't. This is what he's saying in the first century. Go to Luke chapter nine. How, what does it mean for the kingdom of God to come near? I wanna show you Luke chapter 10, excuse me, Luke 10 verse eight. Luke Luke 10 verse eight, it says, um, Jesus commissioned 72 disciples. And in Luke 10 verse eight, it says, when you enter the town or a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you and amen to that. Let me just say that. If we're gonna go out and do the work of Jesus, there's gonna be food involved. Anyone else? Nobody else is excited. Why am I the only one that really loves food? I'm realizing the problem in my life, which is why we're all called to fast. Dang it, Darren. But look at what he says. He says, verse nine, heal the sick. Pray for the sick. Interesting, interesting. Heal the sick. Ask that it's God's will to heal. Okay, heal the sick. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, heal the sick. (laughs) Heal the sick who are there and then tell them after they're healed, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Huh, interesting, right? So now we're getting a little bit more of the picture. What does this mean when you heal someone to say God's reign is now upon you? God's way of life is now available for you. Because Jesus will go on to say the kingdom of God is like a small child. The kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is near you. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The kingdom is like a soil. I like to think that the kingdom of God is like salsa. Anyone else know what I'm talking about? Like the kingdom of God is like salsa. 
I love salsa. It is absolutely my go-to snack. Anyone else want to just, con like, if there's ever a restaurant that has chips and salsa, it's already a 10 out of 10. Even no matter how bad the chips or salsa are, I can make it work. Because they know. Or guacamole. That's great. I like guac too. But salsa here is the point I'm wanting to make. What makes salsa good? What makes salsa good? Tomatoes? It's, yeah, great. Taste. Yep, you're getting there. Yes, I love it. Salsa, onions, it's spice, it's lime, it's garlic. Now imagine, for those of you that, how many of you have tasted salsa before? Raise your hand, just put your hands up. Oh, look at this, look around, look, keep it up. This is so good. If I were to say, how many of you know what the kingdom of God means to those that it comes, it's come near to, how many hands go up? How many of you experienced salsa before, tasted it? Raise your hands one more time. Great, now imagine if you were a salsa lover like me, Imagine if the way we were to experience salsa was something like this. Here's what salsa looks like. It's a quarter cup of onion, three cloves of garlic, one lime squeezed in, a half a tablespoon of salt and teaspoon of cumin, and whatever sugar, jalapenos, handful of cilantro, it's tomato. It's a blend it together, add some more tomatoes, and we got salsa. Some of you are like, hey, I actually heard that you can add this in there, right? You're like, where's my favorite ingredient? Put some, put some avocados in there. Get some avocado in the salsa. Now, what if this is, this is what, what we expected when we talked about how we should get? But I just want to make this point before I, I, I keep going. I feel like most of the world, this is how they approach the message and life of Jesus. Right? We talk about it like it's a list, an obligation, or special ingredients to really master in your mind and to know and remember that one time you experienced salsa when you were like in college and went away on a weekend. That's when you really got salsa. But then you got married and had kids and had a job and the, the life, the, the salsa that you tasted back then is not what you have now. It's like you're remembering the salsa from a long time ago. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Kingdom of God is like salsa, but salsa is so much more than just its ingredients. It's more than its tomatoes. It's more than its onions or limes or jalapenos. Can I get an amen? amen. Jalapenos, more jalapenos. I don't know who puts sour cream in their salsa, bro. <laughs> it's meant to be experienced. Can we bring out my lovely assistants? Let me show you what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like salsa. Thank you so much. You did an amazing job. Give it up for my lovely assistants here. I'm going to attempt to do what's never done before live. Just kidding. I was so nervous about this. Last night, Alex was like, why are you so nervous? I'm like, I got the sermon. I just don't know if I got the salsa, babe. <laughs> so we got some ingredients. So first, we're going to do this. We're going to add some, a can of tomatoes. See that here? We're just going to drop that in there. Yep. I've never done this before live. So in fact, I think the last time I made this was when I did this live. So uh, I did it one other time. So you add a can of tomato. And then what we're going to do is we're going to put a bunch of cilantro in here. Put some cilantro. All right. What else are we going to add? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do uh, some onion. We're going to squeeze some lime in there. Get it nice and good. How we... Nice and good. All right. Squeeze that lime. How are we doing today, guys? This is where you do the... the oh, man. The kingdom of God is like lime being squeezed. I got some in here. I got a quarter, a quarter of an onion already pre-cut in there. I'm not sure how that's going to go. I got some garlic cloves. We got some three garlic cloves. So, so throw some garlic. And I got about five jalapenos. I like them spicy. How many of you like spicy? Can I get an amen for the spice? For all of you who don't like spice, it's really sad. And what we're going to do is I'm going to blend this and we're just going to blend it all up. See that? We'll get there. We'll get there. It's going. There we go. See that? It's already, look at that. It's blended. 
Nice Vitamix. If you're watching this at home or listening on podcasts, I'm now blending the salsa. That's why you got to be here. <clears throat> After that, I already measured it out. I got salt. I got some garlic. I got some pepper. I got some cumin. I got some sugar. I don't know if you know that, but sugar is a great ingredient in my wife's cooking. Oh, and we're going we're gonna to throw a splash of apple cider vinegar. I don't know why, but my wife said to do it. I'm like, this is the nastiest thing you've ever... I don't know if that was a splash, but that's close enough. <laughs> And uh, then we're going to blend it some more. I'm just following the instructions. Some of you, you're like, I don't need it. I don't need the instructions. I'm a master at salsa. For some of us, we need some words on paper. We need some instruction and some good teaching. We need someone to walk us through this in the middle of the night because you're nervous about whether or not it's going to work. How are we doing, church? How are we doing? Then you're going to add some... uh, a second can of tomato. I don't know if I need to do that much. We're gonna we're gonna throw like a little bit more. Is that too much? No. no. Okay. We're just gonna. Okay. I'm gonna keep going. There we go. Put that in there. And then we're gonna do. I gotta save some for the second service. Um, we're gonna throw some real tomatoes in here. Okay. So some freshly cut tomatoes. That's probably good right there. And what we're gonna do now. And this is the serious part. And this is what Alex told me. She's like, here's the thing, Darren. You can't blend it this time. You can't just blend it, all right? You need to pulse it. I'm like, I'm not sure exactly what that means because there's not like a pulse button. She's like, just do it a little bit. Just do a little bit. There we go. Okay. All right. So don't clap yet, okay? Don't clap yet. You see, this is the thing we do. In Christian life, we think, Jesus, we got to know all the right things, we got we to gotta master the list. We got to memorize the ingredients. But what we're supposed to do is to go in there. I'm going to try it first. I want to make sure the podcast hears this, okay? So, <laughs> hey, can I get some volunteers real quick? Hey, Nathaniel, remember when I was asking about whether the sermon would be good? This was, hey, yeah, get up here, dude. No, you're going to pass this out. We're going to pass this around. So I need two people, a bag of chips and some salsa. Just go up and down. And anybody that wants to try this homemade salsa, um, I'm going to pass them out. Jesus says, you know, bread and wine. I say salsa and chips. Just experience this. This is what Jesus says. That the kingdom of God, hey, John. I think you can take this away now. Um, Give it up for my team. Thank you, Amanda. Um, So the kingdom of God, just try it. it. Let it get chaotic. Try my salsa. You might not like it. I love it. I love it. Is it good? Worship pastor says good. Friends are saying it good. Strangers. Any strangers in here? You like it? Let me tell you what Jesus says. He says, he says this, listen up. The kingdom of God has come near. What he's saying is the kingdom of God is a reality to be experienced, right? It's not a list. It's not a religion. It's a way of entering into new reality. Taste and see. Some of you are going to experience it. Some of you aren't. This should free us up from the people that we get frustrated with because they don't get it. They haven't tasted the salsa. How on earth can you talk about selling everything and buying the empty field unless you've seen what's in the field? Do you know what I'm talking about? Some of you do. I want more of you to. Much of Jesus' language and stories and teachings on the kingdom of God are built into experience. He comes and offers a new way to experience all of life, the way God intended it to be. So much of Jesus' message is about living in a new reality. His reality flips our presuppositions about life upside down. Everything that we've experienced up until the time we meet Jesus was teaching us to be great It's to be something, but Jesus says, no, it's to be the least. It's to be the servant of all. If you want to gain 
the world, you'll lose your life. But if you, want, if you give your life, you'll find it. Who's blessed? Those with money and success. Those that have spiritual uh, thoughts and they've experienced spiritual things. And Jesus will start with the Sermon on the Mount and says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who have no spiritual bone in their body and will never get the complexity of theology. You're already favored by God. That's an alternative reality. And we want to make it a list that we can climb up. But what you don't realize is the kingdom is downward mobility. It's taking what was with God and before God and was God who empties himself, Philippians 2, to become nothing, even death on the cross. And he says, this is how you should experience reality now. Taking these, these teachings, these stories, this Holy Spirit and learning to build that kingdom culture in your everyday ordinary life. Blessed are your eyes if you've seen. Blessed are your ears if you've heard. Some of you are going to get it and some of you aren't. And for those of you that have had these experiences where you've tried to explain them to people, I got like all the cilantro up in my mouth. <laughs> Next time I'm not gonna eat it. Some of you are like, I know what that feels like. And I'm like, great, point proven. Illustration complete. You've had these experiences and people don't get it and you're frustrated and you're trying to convince them. But you have to like pull back and just recognize this is God's capacity to bring people into that experience, not yours. Um, the kingdom of God is like a song that you hear in your house and you first don't know where it's coming from but then as you begin to search it gets louder and louder and louder and then you begin to move things around your home, take things off the wall, rearrange the furniture so that the, the sound that is so beautiful begins to get louder and louder and eventually you rearrange your entire house around this music that's so beautiful. You open the doors, you open the windows and you want everyone else to hear what's coming out and then years later you recognize that you look back that your entire life was reoriented, rearranged reconstructed around the song that has become your life. And this is how the early Christians in the New Testament talked about Jesus, talked about his message. They experienced it for themselves. First John chapter one says, that which we have seen in the beginning, what we have heard from the beginning concerning the word of life, we've touched with our own hands. The church was on fire for the resurrected Jesus. They didn't live radical lives because they had to or because it was convenient or comfortable or it had a cool website or because they saw this cool Netflix documentary, they lived radical lives because they experienced the life that is really life. How did people experience the kingdom of God in, it, in the scriptures? How did they experience it? I want to show you this. Throughout the life of Jesus, the kingdom of God was manifested or incarnated in the person of Jesus. I'm just realizing you should save some of those chips for your brothers and sisters in the second service. <laughs> or not, it's fine. We'll get some more. We'll give them these gluten-free crackers. Which will devastate the point. It will just destroy it. How do people experience it? For some people, the kingdom of God equaled healing. Right? You read in scripture, so the sick are healed, blind people can see, lepers were cleansed, and paralytics could walk. And then Jesus says, go and heal the sick. For some people, the kingdom of God equaled belonging. You look at the kingdom was experienced as a new community, a new family, women, tax collectors, prostitutes, outcasts, failures, burnouts, the least likely people are invited to participate in this new alternative reality called the kingdom. And they were given roles and responsibilities and new identities. And disciples of Jesus, after they're filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to build the church, they begin to include people that would never, in a Jewish community, be included. Gentiles were equal. Slaves. Women, free, it was everyone. That was unheard of in the first century. It was so progressive, pulling culture and society forward that it doesn't matter what you look like or what language you speak, you're included into the kingdom. The kingdom for some people was about freedom. 
They experience freedom. They experience the forgiveness of sins. There's a woman who's caught in adultery and she's gonna be stoned to death and through a conversation with Jesus, all of a sudden she's freed from being stoned to death and he says, go, your sins are forgiven, go and sin no more. She experiences that. A man tormented by demons, enslaved to spiritual oppression who calls out night and day, could not be bound by shackles, tormented, is released in an encounter with Jesus from spiritual and demonic oppression. Freedom is what people experience. Freedom from sin, freedom from demonic and spiritual oppression, freedom from their past. Men and women throughout the scripture are freed from their past. Peter denied Jesus three times. After he's resurrected, Jesus doesn't say, you blew it. Now you can't do it anymore. You're sidelined for ministry. He says to him, do you love me? And reinstates Peter to be the rock that he saw him to be when he called him as a fisherman. Freedom. For some people, the kingdom equals peace. And this is what, I love this one, peace. The Hebrew word is shalom, everything working in its right and proper place. There's a woman, there's a story in the scriptures of this woman who finds out that Jesus is at this meal with the Pharisees and she does the unthinkable. She goes and breaks past the cultural barrier of staying on the outside and falls to his feet and begins to weep. She wets his feet with her tears and she pulls down her hair and begins to wipe his feet with her hair, which is a very sexual thing in the first century, and then takes this alabaster jar of perfume, which would have been her retirement as a prostitute. We find out she was a prostitute. She was a sinner. She pours her retirement, her 401k, her savings, her equity on his feet. And people are like, what? Doesn't he know she's a sinner? And he turns to the woman looking at her and then he, he speaks to the host and he says, do you see this woman? Of course they don't see this woman. They see a sinner. Who was the only one that saw the woman? Jesus. And he tells this parable and he says, her sins which are many have been, past tense, forgiven because she loved much, and then he looks at her and speaks to her and says, um, go in peace, go in shalom, go in right restoration with God, with yourself, and with others. Peace. He'll teach in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, in the kingdom of God, uh, you don't have to be worried about anything. Peace. Think about this for a moment. Jesus says three times that we do not have to worry in one passage, which is like, Big point. So it's almost like it's a command. Do not worry about what you will eat, about what you'll drink, about what you will wear. And he goes on to make this point. But according to Jesus, as citizens of the kingdom, we can live our ordinary life in such a way where we never have to be anxious about anything. In fact, Jesus wants to train his disciples to become a non-anxious presence and live a worry-free life. He commands it. How are we doing with that command? I'm not doing very well. I'm just going to be honest. Finance, financial issues come up, worry. Car breaks down, worry. Health, someone gets a cold, I have anxiety. Anyone, don't, does anyone know what I'm talking about? I've been riddled with panic attacks in the past, but I actually have been re recognizing this. So Bill, Pastor Bill, we, he and I were talking one day, and he's talking about this whole idea of being non-anxious and blah, 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 blah. Thanks, Bill. You're so wise. He is so wise. He says, I want you to imagine, I want you to do this. Close your eyes for a moment. All of you, we're gonna experiment what Bill did with me over sushi. Mm. I'm just thinking about the sushi now. So sushi, um, there where he said, Dan, I want you to picture Jesus in your mind. Use your imagination for a moment and imagine Jesus is looking at you. Now, for some of us, it's easy. Some of us, it's hard. So there I was. I was looking at Jesus. I have a great relationship with Jesus. So I was just, I, I looked at him. And he's like, and then he's like, remember Dallas Willard was asked, what's the one word to describe Jesus, and Dallas's response without missing a beat was relaxed. And then he said to me, Darren, based on what you're feeling anxiety about, what you need to know about the truth of Jesus is that he's not anxious about this. If Jesus is not anxious about this, then you don't have to be anxious about this. Amen. Open your eyes. I want you to think about that for a moment. 
Whatever circumstance you're going through, health crisis, financial crisis, stress with relationships, conflict, if Jesus is not worried about it, you have access to that reality here and now. And he wants to train you to get better and more uh, and, and get to that point of non-anxiety quicker than it normally takes you. Does that make sense? How do people experience the, Holy, or the kingdom of God? Peace. How, how else? The kingdom of God for many is joy. They encounter the kingdom and what it ex- they experience is ecstatic joy. Can we just talk about some of the stories where I think joy is implied, for example? There's a woman who is bleeding for 12 years. She spends her entire life money on doctors to fix the fact that she's bleeding. She has this a crazy idea. I don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it comes from, but I just have to think she has a gift of imagination and she has an extraordinary miracle happen where she just says, if I could just touch his cloak, if I could just touch Jesus, I'll be healed. And she is healed. And when she's healed, imagine the implications for her life and the feeling she will have after dealing with health crisis for 12 years that eliminated her ability to touch people because she was considered unclean, her ability to worship God in the temple because she was unclean, and all the connotations that came with it spiritually because they think that it's your fault, you've sinned, that you're bleeding. Joy. Same story is a man goes to Jesus in desperation because his 12-year-old child, 12-year-old child is dying. His name's Jairus, runs to Jesus, come to my house. But before he could get there, Jesus could get to his house. She dies. The servants come and say, your, your daughter is dead. Jesus is like, no, he's sleep- she's sleeping. Goes into the room, heals the girl, raises her back to life. Imagine the emotion that Jairus has as he sees his dead daughter come back to life. What do you think he feels when the kingdom comes near him. How we do in church? What, does the, what do people around you experience when you walk into the room as a steward of the kingdom? Do they experience freedom, peace? Do they experience healing? Do they experience joy? Some people experience when they, the kingdom of God in the New Testament, when the kingdom comes about, comes near, they experience purpose, right? Peter, I'm gonna make you fisher, fishers of men. Takes this guy who's fishing and makes him the rock who plants the first church essentially and becomes the pillar for all of us as a result. Re, redesigns his purpose on earth. I love Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus is one of my favorite characters. He was corrupt, He was chief tax collector, conspired against the Israelites, kicked out of table fellowship. He was exempt. He was no longer a Jew in their mind. So he was no longer a son of Abraham. And he's got all this money. Jesus says, I'm coming to your house. Let's hang out. He hangs out. Jesus doesn't say, say these prayers and follow me. He simply has a meal with Zacchaeus. And the response of that encounter, that meal with Jesus is, oh my goodness, I've missed it. Anyone that I've wronged, I'm going to pay back four times as much, and I'm going to give half of my stuff away. I've got so much stuff, and 90% of the people around me don't have enough to live off of, so I'm going to repurpose my resources. I'm not giving everything. I'm going to give half. I'm going to repurpose my resources to care for those that don't have enough, and Jesus says, salvation has come to your home. You too are a son of Abraham. How did Zacchaeus experience the kingdom? Purpose. It's not about me, it's about us. It's about becoming a funnel of what God, the resources God's given me, the talents God's given me, the identity he's shown me, the power he's given, and giving and using that to extend all that God has on earth. How's that? Some people experience power. And all of this is in some ways God's power. But I want to talk about that because Paul will say the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk or words, but power. And power is a good thing. Power is capacity. It's ability to do something that you couldn't necessarily do on your own strength. And the kingdom comes and people experience power. They're moving from being insecure, not able to talk, to preaching to crowds, to healing the sick, to doing the things that Jesus did. And we all have access to that power to raise the dead, to cleanse lepers, to heal the sick. That's a command. When Jesus says in, the, in Matthew's gospel to go into the nations making disciples and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, he's including healing the sick, raising the dead, preaching the kingdom. It doesn't matter if you have a degree. This is what you're commissioned into. Amen. This is your new purpose. 
This is the power he gives you access to, but also, and I think this is where the good news is, when the kingdom of God comes near you, God gives you power to change. And that's what I need. God gives you power in real time to give you patience rather than a quick temper. To give you power to not be inappropriately angry. I'm just speaking. Gives you power to resist temptation from sin and lust. He gives you power to change your environment. Because if you try to do it on your own strength, nothing's going to happen. You're going to get exhausted, burnt out, and anxious. But he wants to fill you with heavenly power through the Holy Spirit to transform not just your life, but the environment you live in. The kingdom of God has come near. It's a reality to be experienced. This is what it looked like in the scriptures. But how do we experience God's reign in his kingdom today? It's the same thing. Healing, belonging, freedom, peace, joy, purpose, and power, and so on. And that's what we're going to explore for the next several weeks. We're going to finish verse 15 uh, uh, about repent and believe next week. And we'll talk about what that meant. It, did, it doesn't mean what I think you think it means, which we'll talk about what I think you think it means next week. Um, and then you'll get what it means and what I think it means. Um, if you're following along, for those that have ears to hear. Uh, but we get to experience the same thing of the kingdom here and now. It's more than just an experience. We're called, and now we're commissioned to build the kingdom of God wherever we go. So as I close, I just want to paint this picture. Matthew 10, verse 7, it says, As you go, proclaim this kingdom. The kingdom of God has come near, a kingdom of heaven. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So Jesus invites us to build its kingdom wherever we go. We can do all the things that's mentioned here, but one of the things I want to paint a picture for is one of the things we're called to do is create a kingdom culture in whatever environment we live in. We're called to build a kingdom culture in whatever environment we find ourselves in. So when you look at Jesus, he changed the culture around him. He carried the life of the kingdom within him and with him. And then the disciples of the early church, they also carried that same culture wherever they went. So it's no surprise that as miracles are happening and as people are being included and all the stories of Jesus are, are being experienced in the book of Acts, that the disciples just do what Jesus did and they created a new culture of the kingdom around them. So the, as Jesus carried it, as the disciples carried it, the question I have for you is what are you carrying? What's your carry? What are you bringing into rooms, into spaces, into environments? What kind of culture are you stewarding in your life? What are you carrying into your home, into your workplace? Are you carrying love and joy and healing and the access to abundance and to power and kindness and the ability to change? Are you, are you carrying honor and purpose? Um, I want us to build this kind of culture wherever we go because it eats up strategy for breakfast. And if we can contrast this theology of the kingdom culture and the gospel of the kingdom with the gospel of salvation, I want you to think about the gospel of salvation and how that message in the church has stunted your capacity for real ministry. You see, the gospel of salvation says when you go to work tomorrow, your job as a Christian is to tell people about the ingredients of good salsa. And then eventually, maybe they understand the importance of it and they come to a service where someone else talks about in, more, in a more professional way about those ingredients of salsa. And then one day they'll say, hey, one day you, you get it. One day you'll get to taste it for yourself when you die. But what we're called to do in the gospel of the kingdom is to show up to work. And I would do this if I had it, but I don't have it. Saying, hey, you want to try some? How are we doing, church? Yeah. Kingdom of God is like salsa. The kingdom of God is a reality to be experienced. So if we think of ourselves as Christian business owners, we think, okay, to be the gospel of salvation is I need to pass out tracts and do Bible studies and, and put a Christian logo on my, on my business card. And that, that was good for some time, but that's not what Jesus intended. I don't think that. I think what he wants is actually your business is the expansion of the kingdom. All of it. Without the logo, 
How you manage, how you email, how you have conversations, how you have confrontations, how you have conflict, how you hire, how you fire, all of it is a way of expanding the kingdom. And what, what we settle with is, I'm just gonna put a track in the auto part box so that when they go, they think they know that I was a Christian business owner, rather than it's just oozing out of everything you do. It's like my son walking into Legoland and diving into the pit of Legos versus not knowing where to go into the lobby and saying, I'm sorry for renting a room. That's the difference of culture, of the kingdom, and the gospel of salvation. Church, how we doing? Okay, so kingdom of God has come near. This is episode three. If you're paying attention, touch it, taste it, see it, hear it, experience it for yourself. Next week, we'll talk about how we enter in. Jesus will say, repent and believe the good news. And what he's talking about is more than just get rid of your sin, but he's talking about how do you restructure your entire life so that you now become a participant in this new reality everywhere you go. And for many of us, the invitation today is simply this. Um, No longer compartmentalize your life. The, The kingdom of God is a reality to be experienced. So what that means is, we don't have a church life, a Christian life, or spirit. Yeah, I don't, a little bit of forgiveness, a little bit of a Bible study. We've compartmentalized. All of it is his. So is, the question is, is Jesus Lord? Is he king? Are you living in his kingdom? Which means now your entire existence, your money, your thoughts, the way you parent, the way you date, the way you do your marriage, the way you run your business, the way you do your education, the way you teach your class, the way you homeschool your kids, all of it is his. And all of it is one area for you to extend the kingdom life wherever you go. So where does Jesus need to enter in? Or a better question to say is, where does he need to come near? Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church. Well